This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The New Orleans Welcome to In The Know, the Bourbon Street Shots Podcast. We're your hosts, Shemit Dua and Mason Ginsberg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to a bonus episode of In the Know, again brought to you by Untuck It. This episode is a fan mailbag, and we decided to just dedicate a whole episode to you guys because the questions were that good. Yeah. So kudos to you guys. And uh, Mason, here we go. We're going we're gonna to start off with, with a question. I'm going to pick this randomly, and uh, we're, we're going to go from there. All right. <clears throat> Seemingly, the Pels' need needs going forward are depth, wings, and bigs. What are some other needs that could be addressed, and how do you think the guys in the front office will address these needs? And this is brought to you by Corbor. Um, the first one is uh, is doubling down on veteran leadership. I think um, there was a uh, a good article that came out today uh, about I can't remember who wrote it, but it was basically about DeAndre Jordan and his role in Brooklyn uh, or in Brooklyn. It's, uh, it's, and they pretty much said right up front, yeah, he's, he's overpaid for his on-court value, but he's providing a lot to that team. And that's before you even bring in or consider other guys in that team, like KD and Kyrie and whatever level of veteran leadership you think those guys bring. Um, and then, um, uh, but I, I still think that's, that's still a relative gap for the Pelicans, especially when you consider, and this will probably play into some of the other questions that were, going to talk about the number of young guys on this team and the, and the number of picks this team has in the near future. Um, and then you don't know what's going to happen with Drew. I mean, there, there, are, other, there are other questions here. And I think that this team needs to really keep in mind the fact that for every young guy you have, you need to think about the veteran leadership and the, and the, the stable presence in the locker room. So I think that as far as on-court needs, we can talk about that all day. We, we've kind of Hit, hit a lot of topics on that in past podcasts, but I think it's important to remember that the, the human element, the off-court aspect as well. You know, I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to say the Pels need everything. Literally. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. The Pelicans need improvement in, in every 
facet of the game. They are the 14th seed in the West. I understand that they have been playing better, but you cannot have a team that is constructed to where your, your big man goes down and you lose 13 straight games. Like that, that is not an outcome that is acceptable, right? That mm-hmm. we're not, we're not going to ignore that that happened. You can't have a team where, you know, if Brandon Ingram goes down, like what, what is your wing replacement there? We still don't have any big wing defenders. Point guards? What are those? I mean, I, I creators. think creators, man, <laughs> creators. That's why I said, what's a point guard? I don't know. Um, but I think the Pelicans need everything and this team should be doing its due diligence to improve in every facet. And, and just because they have a guy on the roster should not mean they should pass up on talent that would also improve. So I think, I think this is a completely, um, this is an example completely in, 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 out of context and I'm not advocating they make this move, but for example, let's say the situation presents itself that you can trade each one more and Darius Miller for Aaron Gordon. Hypothetically, let's say that the situation presents itself. You wouldn't say no to Aaron Gordon just because he overlaps with your two best players in, in Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. You grab that talent because he is drastically better than, than each one more and, and Darius Miller and you figure out what the hell to do with it. And if you can't figure it out, then again, you can flip that talent. But that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm talking about is the Pelicans really aren't in any kind of position to um, be, be picky about how to improve the team. Beggar, beggars can't be, be choosers. And uh, how will they improve them? Well, the Pelicans have a million and a half picks to utilize. And this brings us to our next question from Ryan Abair. Um, the Ryan Abair, not the other Ryan Abair. How many picks are too many picks? And how do we proceed with getting all these damn second round picks the fuck out of here? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there how many picks are too many picks? So it's, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna add to go. that. Let's 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 just talk about next year. Um yeah. the Pelicans have one first round pick and three second round picks next year. Right? Yeah. I believe so. Second round, it's important to know when those second round picks are. Uh, I have this. I have this. So the Pelicans have <clears throat> next year their own first, their own second, Milwaukee second, which isn't going to be good, and, and Washington seconds, which will be good. Will be goodish, you know, for, for whatever a second round is. So they have four picks. Yep. There is no way in hell there's going to be four brand new rookies on this team nope. next year, in addition to Didi Lozada coming back from, <laughs> from Australia, in addition to Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes essentially being uh, second-year rookies again. I mean, Jackson Hayes is actually getting legitimate playtime, so maybe not him, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker will very much be like it'd be like a rookie year from because this year's essentially been a redshirt year and he's kind of been a disaster. So um, r- random random comment is where can I get early f- or futures odds on Nikhil Alexander Walker being summer league MVP because I'm putting all my money on it. Man, he would have been summer league MVP this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, in, in any case, um, I don't know, man. If Jackson Hayes plays, are, are we sure? Are we sure Jackson isn't going to take that from him? Kind of. I don't think he can pile up enough stats in the role he has, but I. Oh, not- baby. <laughs> Just you wait. 
Anywho, um, but yeah, so like, what are, what are we going to do with, with all these picks? So how many rookies do you think are going to be, like true rookies are going to be on the Pelicans roster next year? Um, I, it's hard for me to make an argument for even three. Uh, I, I feel like two, I, I, could see, I could see two plus DD, and that's at the most. I, I, can't see, I can't see the Pelicans using three or four of those picks uh, for roster spots. Um, I could see DD comes over, they use a first-round pick, and, they, and they, maybe they could package two of their seconds to move up, or they could you know, draft one, stash one, trade one. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I think DD absolutely comes over from Australia. Um, and I think, uh, and, and I think they'll keep up to two play additional players. Um, but I, I could, I mean, I could make a case then the direct to, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't I can't remember the last time I've seen three seconds get packaged into one deal to move up. I've seen two, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I could, I, I think that's gotta be something on, on their mind. Um, but yeah, that, that Washington second round pick is going to be going to be pretty nice. I think. Yeah, and then so that's just that year. In the subsequent years, you know, like 2021, you have Chicago's pick. I mean, the lesser of Chicago's pick and your own pick, Cleveland's pick, and Washington's pick again. That's three second-round picks that year. The following year, you have two more second-round picks in addition to two first-round picks, your own and L.A.'s. I mean, you cannot be adding three to four rookies every single year. You can't even add two rookies every single year. You just do not have the development capacity for that. You do not have the roster spots for that. That's, that's not something that's going to work. And I think what's yeah. likely going to happen is, is as these teams that are, are in the playoff hunt begin to fizzle out or, or vice versa, and, and this summer when there's a clear picture of, of what teams are going to do, you're going to start seeing some movement on the Pelicans front when it comes to buying. The Pelicans are going to be buyers for, for essentially the duration of, of Ingram and, and Zion's career here. Those guys are good enough to win now, and, and I think a lot of people are going to be afraid of that term. Mm-hmm. But the Pelicans just don't have the capacity to keep developing these picks. And I think they'll probably be smart. They'll probably do a pick per year. They'll probably have like one first round guy per year. And, and that's their project guy who will get minutes the following year. It's going to be like a two year rookie program for, for these guys. Yeah. And I think, it'll, I think it'd be interesting to see what, like I, what we saw this year with uh, like Golden State, for example, or I think it was Golden State where they basically just were trying to gather second round picks for players who could fill out the roster because they were in such a tax crunch or such a hard cap crunch that they, they pretty much had to use these second round picks to get guys because they had no other option to do so. And I wonder if a team like, I don't know, the Lakers have the same similar problem. Um, I, I mean, it's, it took a weird sequence of events for the Warriors to be in the kind of hard cap hell that they're in. So that's probably, maybe it's more of a one-off, but I do think it's, you know, those second round picks can also be a tool for teams to add very cheap talent, especially teams with top heavy rosters. Like when you're paying LeBron and AD a ton of money, um, so, uh, there, there could be teams that will overpay for, for something like that in the years to come. Yeah. I, I do think what this treasure trove of picks does for the Pelicans is gives them a, a tremendous amount of flexibility in either acquiring players directly via the picks, utilizing them to draft players, packaging them to move up and down on the draft, uh, 
any number to using them to move on from players they don't want. I, I, I mean, I can't, they don't have any bad contracts on the books now, but you know, you never know. The Pelicans have a, a ton of versatility with that. So I want them to be as aggressive as possible in trying to create a star level player out of, out of whatever this is. Um, and by star level player, I mean, I want a big three. I want Zion. I want Ingram. And I want that, that third guy. And in the Pelicans perhaps are one of the rare teams that have the opportunity to create something like this. You haven't mentioned Bradley Bill in a while. I'm giving you a chance. The floor is yours. You just mentioned him for me. He <laughs> speaks for himself. He he deserves no uh, no further explanation. Are, are you are you over the Bradley Beal thing because of the hell no team? <laughs> you didn't even let me finish the sentence. Hell no, Love Bradley Beal would be so good for this team. I mean, like you guys, look, you guys need to read Will Guillory. Will Guillory, Will Guillory is a great writer. He did a really good profile on JJ Redick and and how he's developed. Uh, over the course of his career and, and how he kind of like patented this, this move that he does. It's not really a move. It's just JJ Reddick is really good at throwing and going and, and getting himself open. And you know who he picked that up from Bradley motherfucking Beal. And so will I take a guy that can play like JJ Reddick and moves off the ball that well and can do a lot of more things and is named Bradley Beal. Of course I will. Um, so yeah, that, you, I just said he didn't need any more explanation. You made me go into all of that. Man. Come <laughs> on, but yeah, Jedi I mind mean, tricks. Yeah, okay. Well, this is our our regular Bradley Beal segment. Anywho, we'll go on to the next question. Um, we've had a couple basketball ones. We'll 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 make this a little little goofy here. Um, what is the better snack, pizza roll or pop tarts? Oh. Oh, this is easy. Pizza rolls. Yeah, I'm going to go with pizza rolls. I mean, like Pop-Tarts, I feel like overrated. I agree. Completely. Not, I feel not, like... Not only because I'm, I'm not that much of a breakfast guy. Like I, I love like savory stuff for brunch, but I'm not like a every morning. Got to have got to have something for breakfast. But I'm also just... Yeah, I'm, I'm just more of a more meal, less dessert type person. And Pop-Tarts to me are like a dessert. And pizza rolls are closer to a meal for me. So... I see that logic, but like, again, yeah, I, I, I would categorize them more desserty. and of my dessert choices, would I ever actively pick a Pop-Tart? I don't think so. I'll go with pizza rolls. Okay. Next question. What is your dream slash ideal city edition Jersey? That's tough. Um, I guess the, I, people aren't going to like this, it seems like, but I've, I've never had any problem with the, the... I've had problems with the design of the Mardi Gras jersey. I've never had any problems with the Mardi Gras jersey just because it's... I, I like having the... I don't know. I kind of like the Mardi Gras colors. Um, I like the... It's, it's New Orleans-y. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really understand what, what the big gripes that people have are with the Mardi Gras jerseys unless you're talking about the actual design of them, and I can totally get that. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I think people, people's gripes are that the city is so much more than Mardi Gras. Fair enough. I think my politically correct answer to this would be jazz-based jerseys. Uh, I think you can bring that back. I think it'd be really cool. Um, 
be cool can you to do like that? can can you can you with the Utah Jazz being a thing, can you make jazz jerseys? I don't know. I mean, they bring back I, – I, I mean, I don't know. If it's a throwback, I don't know what the limitations are. But you know what? Screw the Utah Jazz. Yeah. It's like – yeah, it, it's, I, I don't know. It would be the and New I, Orleans I, Jazz. It wouldn't be the Utah It would be the New Orleans Jazz. Yeah, fair enough. It, it's like I, I, I do like the uniqueness of the colors of the of – the, uh, the, the, the stark difference that it creates between the – typical Pelicans jerseys and the Mardi Gras colors. It's like, it's not, obviously it's not Miami Vice jerseys because those are incredible. And I don't think there will ever be a better alternate Jersey than the Miami Vice ones. But um, I still think it's, it's cool. You mean that the Dallas graffiti ones don't do it for you. <laughs> not quite. Only, only when Luca creates a V neck out of it, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just so different in colors. And I like that. And I mean, I'm very much open to different ideas. I just would need to see it and how it, how it actually looks before i'm in on it so i'd love to see something so. like swamp themed that'd be cool like i know rougarou was was thrown around as a name and i'm kind of partial to that because that's what we called our ultimate team um so something swamp themed would be that's cool awesome. uh i think you know if you really want to get off the wall with it um could do like a pothole themed one and um <laughs> what a pothole <laughs> themed jersey <laughs> okay next question um <laughs> What's one way you think Zion coming back will help Ingram's game? And what's one way what, where you could see the potential issue beyond just developing um, chemistry together? Yeah, I'm going to go positive here first. But so the thing I've been thinking about is the – and it ties back to all the stats that you've been kind of putting out there from the, uh, on a game-by-game basis around drives and the fact that Ingram's not only so good in isolation uh, – creating space in the mid-range, but he's also been better and better at getting to the rim. And I feel like this, this team is now has more players who are getting to the rim than maybe we had at the start of the season. And Zion's just the guy who's going to be the garbage man. He's going to clean up, clean up those possessions and any, anywhere where we don't, you know, it doesn't end in a bucket, Zion's going to finish those possessions. And so that's, that's the thing that I think maybe didn't shine through quite as much in the preseason when there was an awkward fit with those two that I think, you know, you, you now you have another guy, and obviously Ingram was one of the best in the league last year in isolation, but you have, um, I, I feel like you have enough possessions that Zion can clean up where you, he truly is going to get 20 and 10 a night, and you're not going to know where the hell they came from until, you know, you, you, you kind of look back at the game and think about position by position. Oh, that's how it happened. So that's, that's the one thing I'm looking forward to uh, a little bit more than maybe I was when these two guys were playing together in the preseason. Okay. Uh, I think I, I think it's the answer is is more on the simple side for me, in the sense that right now teams are sending two to three players at Ingram at any given possession. Anytime you can make the job easier for him by adding a player of Zion's caliber, then that's going to yield great results. I also think what it's going to do is increase the number of assisted looks that Ingram gets. He's having to do a lot of creation himself. I think the Pelicans are going to be able to get him balls in spots where he doesn't have to create for himself and he has an easier or a higher percentage look. And I think either that's going to be a direct result of Zion giving him the ball in those situations or just the attention that Zion draws and and allows it frees up Ingram to to do other things. So that's Mm -hmm. what I anticipate happening on the long term. The, the concern that I see is how is Ingram going to take the meteoric rise of Zion Williamson? As in, 
is he willing to concede his usage to Zion as Zion continues to get better? And if Zion is looking to surpass him as a scorer and a player, or is that something he's going to, to try to hold on to and maintain that, that kind of thing is, is what I'm concerned about. I don't think we have any real reason to be concerned about it. Uh, It's like a, a first world problem if you ever had one. And I don't think anything of Ingram's play suggests that, but, I think there's going to be a real situation where, where Zion is the best player on your team and, and Ingram scoring the most points. And, and there's going to be a discussion around why Zion's role isn't increased. Why, why is, why, why he isn't the one. Yeah. And I just, I, I that doesn't concern me as much because I, I, so like I think back to the Katie Westbrook days in Oklahoma city and I think, Obviously, there was some frustration, and, and you know, think whatever you want about this situation. But you've got this, you've got KD, KD, KD eventually left Oklahoma City, and I'm sure he. And there were reports that he got kind of frustrated about how things worked between those two guys. And I, I don't know, like Zion's not Russ in the sense that he's not going to be that type of ball dominant type of player. And I think there's more than enough possessions to go around for both those guys, uh, even even just because they're different types of players and I think they can get their uses in different ways. And I, I so I, I'm just not as concerned about that as maybe, well, maybe closes, I should be. Who closes games for you? You mean like last possession? Who's got the ball? Yeah. who? I, I think Ingram's going to want to be that guy. Yeah. And I've got to see Zion play in the offense before I can, uh, before I know how to answer that. But I, I that that's fair. The lot that that's, that's the one area that I think it, it, that their argument has real weight is, is, you know, it, and, but I think you can, it's never one – I feel like that's kind of overplayed too is that it's always one guy who's going to get the ball when the game's on the line. It's like you can't – that can't happen or else you're just going to send four guys to that dude and, and, and it can't happen, but, you know, it just – I think that's how players see it. I think yeah. this, this is where nailing the next coaching hire is super important. A guy that can manage the ego of stars yeah. and, and get them to work together where that's not even a problem. The next coaching hire is going to dictate that. Yep. That, that's great point. That, that's, you know, we, we talk about what is coaching and what coaching isn't that, that is one thing where certainly that's, that's the head coach's job right there. That's not the offensive or defensive coordinators. That's not this That's, that's, you know, that's not Chris Finch. That's, that's the head coach that who's got to do that. And so I think that's spot on. All right. Next question. This is a two part question. One basketball, one not from AJ Vallon, the fourth, if Cat was available to be traded, do you think the Pelicans would go after him? That's that's let's answer that question first. Oh, okay. Um, yes, I think I think you, you you were just talking about who's the third star, and I think that's well, I I wouldn't go crazy to get him because, yeah, no, it's it's like Aaron Gordon on steroids topic. Like if if it can, if you can get. Carl Anthony Towns and put him next to Zion and Ingram. You just you figure out the rest later, I think. Um, but uh, but I'm not like I don't know. That's it's just it's a tough, ambiguous question to answer without any sort of uh, conditions. Is there? Do you have a strong opinion on this? I mean, the way the question's asked, that the answer is it's yes. Of course, you go after a, a potential star. I mean, I think there are concerns with Cat. I think he's moody. I think he's closer to Boogie than he is to AD uh, in terms of personality and impact. Yep. Um, I think, I think it could be problematic from a, again a scoring hierarchy standpoint. 
because I've heard uh, reports from some good people that he is super obsessed with his numbers. And, you know, there was moments in blowouts where he would beg Tibbs to put him back in so he could go boost his numbers up. Um, I, I don't know if he's still the same guy, but, you know, I, every time I watch him, I think he's like one of the whiniest players I've ever seen. But at the same time, he is the best shooting big in the league. The best, hands down. I mean, this guy is hitting threes at a rate that Steph Curry and Clay Thompson were hitting, and he's, he's seven foot tall. Um, he's tremendously gifted offensively. Uh, what him and Zion could do inside and outside would just be unbelievable. Uh, so, again, from a pure talent standpoint, it, it's, it's going to be very much like when, when the Pelicans were, were looking to acquire Boogie and fit him next to AD. And, you, you know, Boogie came with all these question marks, but at the, he was an undeniable talent, and, that, and that's what Cat is. And I don't think Cat's as toxic as, as Boogie can be. Um, and and Cat's not as volatile as as Boogie can be, and he and he's definitely not an, an alpha type player. So you, you you're hoping that one of Zion Ingram take on that alpha role again. That's probably you're hoping Zion turns into that. So yep. you grab him for the talent. You figure out the rest later. A hundred percent. That's 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 where I'm at. But those are my concerns with with Carl Anthony Towns. The second part of this question is would you rather be forced to watch all Harry Potter movies or all the star Wars movies with a five minute bathroom break between each movie? This is a punishment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest Harry Potter fan, but I still like would, I'm still cool with those movies. And I, I read at least some of those books. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely team star Wars on this, but it's not, I don't think either one would be terrible. I guess if this is meant to be a punishment, I picked Harry Potter because there are eight movies as opposed to how many? Nine at least in the main Star Wars, if not, and not including like the spinoffs like Rogue One and, and Solo. And is there another spinoff? Those are the, the two that I know are, are the two that I would consider. So there's 11 Star yeah. Wars movies? Yeah. So from a, from, a, from a time perspective if this is meant to be a punishment yeah I'll, I'll, i'd rather watch the harry potter movies oh well, shit. Some, what about like grindamall and stuff that's not uh, harry I, yeah i don't know I, <laughs> yeah i don't know is that lord of the rings i don't even know what that's oh no no that's like more spinoffs than harry potter oh okay there's, there's um, two more harry potter spinoffs i think so well I but think... like how long are the movies are are the are the harry potter movies longer than star wars you could get closer to even but probably I you probably can't account for a three movie difference that's a lot i don't know i think if you have the two spinoffs it's a one movie difference and it may be close yeah yeah it doesn't matter i didn't i i would watch the star wars one if i could never watch episodes four five and six there's my hot take you guys do with it with what you want that's that is ridiculous you no. should be you should be no, ashamed it's of yourself the correct take i don't like no, it's not I don't like bad animation and graphics <laughs> it is the correct take oh i would God. rather watch anakin try to be a nice guy and uh and 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 try to like swoon padme based off like obi-wan was just jealous of my powers and uh, oh my god episode two is just... is a terrible movie by all accounts <laughs> <laughs> we're not going we're not going much on rather watch that we're not doing this guy then then watch whatever luke is trying to do in those other movies ever seen an untucked button down they look bad why because they weren't meant to be worn that way thankfully there's untuck it 
The original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, untucked shirts look great on small, short, slim, tall, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite untucked style online or check out one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untucket, your shirts will never look baggy, bulgy, too long, or too big again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untucket is the way to go. Visit Untucket.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. We're moving on to the next question. Um, we'll try to keep it basketball related. Is there, oh, I like this one. This is a fun question. Is there any reality where the Pels consider offering each one a new contract? And this is by Cat Daddy. Yeah, I think so. Um, sorry, you can cover yours, this one. But <laughs> I, I, think, I think that he's under the new salary cap. Yeah, I would. I would certainly give him the mid-level. Uh, that's actually, ten mil per year, bro. What's that? That's ten mil. Give, give, that's ten million per year. How many I give, years? No, sorry. I meant. I meant give him the. I, I would give his current contract value again. I don't For know how if many I would years. Go, um. Hmm, how old is he? Like thirty. Mm, each one is yeah 30 he turns 31 in, February, in next month um yeah i mean i i again i it's similar to favors i wouldn't go four years but i would i would do two with maybe some sort of partial third year guarantee like i i, I mean I, I think he's shown his value this year i think he's a i think he's a rotation quality guard he's certainly not a starter but he's a rotation quality guard I would try my hardest to keep it a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely not doing anything more than three. And that third year is definitely not going to be all the way guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So that is, a, that is where I'm at, too. I think you can kick the can down the road with him. I think you can give him, I think, a two-year deal. Like, a, again, what you said about being making the Darius Miller, the the Miller, Miller special. Yeah, yeah, just give him, like, a 10-plus-10, a, a, a 10 10, you know? I was going to say, I'd, I'd fully guarantee the, the two years for him. Uh, you would. As long as it's not – even if it's – as long as it's not – 
creeping into double digits per year, I, I would do two guaranteed for sure. Hmm. Okay. That's, that's uh, each one more. Yeah. So we'll, we'll both bring him back. Look, even I'm amenable. I'm, I'm, you're just, you can't quit him. You're just, you just want to keep talking about him. I know, I know what's really going on here. <laughs> so this is um, a good question. And, and we were asked this, a similar question by McNamara as well, but is there a particular player you would target in a package with our first round pick for next year? seems like we are at a limit for our young developmental players at this point. So, you know, we kind of touched on that limit part, um, but that's a good question is, is what, kind of player would you move that first round pick for my the problem is my valuation of that pick is probably as low as other teams in the league at this point like i think we're at the point where teams are talking about how shitty of a draft this is and so i'm just not sure i'm almost at the point where i'd rather just roll the dice on whoever and trust the scouting department to go grab someone who maybe is you know has a shot to be a key contributor than just kind of admit that this draft isn't good and, and trade it for, for like a C player. I just don't think you're getting anybody good with it. You have to package that pick with somebody else of value to get someone who's worth trading it. I think. Would you consider Robert Covington to be of value? Um, yes, but not, I don't know if I want to trade the pick for somebody that's at his the point of his career that he is at. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would trade. I would trade for someone at the point of his career if I knew um, they were going to give me like four, three or four solid years uh, at that yeah. level. That's but no, it, that's fair. I would do that too, but I'm not sure that's. But it wouldn't be my first choice. I, I, I could be talked into it. That's all I'm saying. I, I think I'm with you in the sense that you just grab the cost-controlled asset and, and try to develop them as is. And, you know, if they turn into nothing, then they, they turn into nothing. I, I, I think mm-hmm. the Pelicans will always have the ability to go after that, that type of player that we're talking about that will contribute for three or four years. They'll, I don't think with the, the kind of assets the Pelicans have that there's ever going to be a compromised opportunity uh, with that regard. So, yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather just hold on to the pick. I, what is the worst player you'd move that pick for? Huh. Um, Let's say, like, the trade construction is basically, like, expirings plus that pick. So it's, like, Etuan plus that pick or Etuan and Darius plus that pick. Or, you know, you can add Frank however you want to. Uh, hold on. I just pulled up basketball reference and player salaries and kind of looking in that, in that salary range <laughs> to see who it would. So what? Like, oh, here's, a, here's a good one. Would you, would you trade that pick plus, plus uh, maybe this isn't a good one. Would you trade that pick plus each one for like Markel Fultz from what you've seen from this year? Hell no. <laughs> okay. This was not a good one. Uh, <laughs> Markel and Lonzo on one team. That would be like the most insufferable like fan base clash. And <laughs> like, I, I, I would not want to ever watch that team ever. No. Just not, not, it has nothing to do with basketball. It's just like, what about the conversations um, surrounding that? It would just be obnoxious. Every you, single practice covered, like all the reporters would have their phone out. Oh my God, look, they're both made a three. He made a three. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, Fred Vincent has worked his magic with Markel. Yeah. No, no, I'm, absolutely what, not. 
do you think do you think uh, you could create some sort of sign and trade for Van Vliet on with that pick or no? I would love to. I think that would have to happen at draft time. No, you can't. You can't do that. Well, yeah, I guess you could. You you would have to draft the player, sign him, and then wait the forty five days or whatever. It'd be like really complicated because Van Vliet is a, is a free agent this summer. Yeah. So yeah, either, yeah. either you either you trade for him now knowing and you have a wink wink agreement with his oh. agent that you're going to pay him i would do that here's, here's here's one and i don't think toronto would do this but i i think i would um each one more in the first round pick for norman powell why would you what do you watch norman powell yeah he's not better than each one more you you really believe that i believe that huh I would I rather. I, I don't. I don't think there's a functional difference between them. At maybe. Best. Maybe I overshot with unprotected. Or, but like what? Norman Powell. He's athletic and can dunk. I am. I guess. All right. I, I don't, don't think agree. he moves. You know, I don't think he moves the needle for you. In any, I mean, he's six foot three, dude. Like, well, how does he move the needle for this team? I, I'm fr- I'm frustrated now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm frustrated now. <laughs> okay, well, here's one. I don't think this will ever happen, um, but it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. The jazz, the you, the jazz are up for uh, offering Rudy Gobert a supermax. He's eligible for one this 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 coming year, I believe. I don't think there's any way in hell he's going to get a supermax. Mm-hmm. I also don't think there's any way in hell that they're going to look to trade him at this deadline. But let's say in the summer or, or somewhere else, opportunity presented itself to where things didn't work out between them. Would you go grab Rudy Gobert with that asset or, or any of the Pelicans' assets? Is that someone you would be comfortable penciling in as a part of the core, at least for the short term and like not the short term, but like like a three, a two to four year range? Man, I mean, if you're talking about, so we're just saying first round pick and salary match, and then you're paying him what? 25 mil a year. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd hate, I wouldn't like it, but I would do it. Okay. No one's forcing you. Yeah. But it's, I mean, I think the value is there. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm already, my eyes are already bleeding watching that team on offense. Really? I think they'd be fine. You just, I, you just I think they get zoned though. They get zoned to <laughs> they get zoned to hell. You got you got the front court of Zion and Gobert, and neither of those guys can shoot. I don't I don't agree with that. I think with 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 how the Pelicans cut and stuff, like you're you're gonna try to stop Zion moving in motion. Like that's gonna be your solution as a defense. I don't think that'll work. I mean, teams try to zone against Giannis and it doesn't really particularly work. Um, I would I would do it. It's because Giannis is not shooting threes now. Yeah, well, he when he wasn't shooting threes, I don't know. I I don't think 
I mean, I, I would do it. I, I look at Rudy Gobert as in like, I don't think Brandon Ingram is ever going to be a lockdown defender. I don't care what, what, what his stands say. I think Brandon Ingram on a good Pelicans team on like the perfect version of a Pelicans team is going to be the guy that guards the guy in the corner. Kind of like what, what it's, it's basically what every superstar does. It's like, you know, with Harden, they put him on the guy in the corner, like LeBron, like the whole series against Boston when he was in Cleveland, he guarded Jay Crowder in the corner um, because you don't want to extend your best score uh, with, with that kind of responsibility more often than not. And then also I just, I just physically don't think he's going to be capable of defending the bigger, more talented wing. So if I know I'm compromising at that spot and there's a pretty solid chance, I'm going to compromise at one, if not both of the guard positions, um, just because talented defensive guards are, are tough to come by that are also good on offense and do what they, you need them to do on offense I might as well get that one guy you could build a defense around, which is which is Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm do like I said, I'm doing it. I'm not quite as sold on the. I. I don't know. I I, I think I think it's still a great team on paper, and I just and yeah, they probably I I think they'd be able to figure out an offense, but I'm I'm not convinced it's a good playoff team on, on or like a a title level playoff team in the sense that they can get a bucket when they need to. Um, and, and I don't think we've seen, I don't well, think here, here's, situation. here's another, here's another, here's another pushback. Utah played friggin' Derek favors and, and Rudy Gobert together and they were successful. And then they got wiped by, by a really good Houston team that pushed um, the rock. I mean, they pushed the warriors to, to the brink, but they were able to be successful with that pairing. And yeah, they staggered him. And I'm sure you're stagger Zion uh, and Gobert and you probably play Zion at center in, in crucial, a lot of those crucial minutes if you, if you need to. Right. But I really don't think the offensive problems are, are going to be that bad. I think the talent yeah, will overpower right. it. Maybe. I, I don't buy it. I, I mean, I think, I just think that this, that team would, you you wouldn't get to the next step with you feel the same way about Jackson. I don't, it's, I feel like it's, I'm, I'm comfortable with the the Jackson. I see I'm so comfortable with him with in crunch time, having him on the bench. I'm not as comfortable giving a guy $25 million a year and then saying, Oh yeah. And if he's on the bench during crunch time, meh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. I, I, also, I think with the way the Lakers are playing, more more teams are going to try to build rosters like that, and and you probably won't see a situation where many situations where Gobert is on the bench in in crunch time. I think there's going to be less and less teams built like that in the future. Yep. I and also I I still don't like how you just kind of dismiss Norman Powell as a player. However, I did not realize he's 27 or he's going to be 27 at the end of the season. That, how, how, how old did I, you think he was? I thought he was like 24 or 25. I thought he was, I thought he was. Yeah, I, I did. I think he's, so he must've, he must've played like a full four year college. He must've had a pretty long college. Yeah. He, he must've been a four year college guy. And I did not realize that at all. So I, my, my ridiculous claim of just throwing a first round pick for Norman Powell is is, what, is that is that yes yes it is. <laughs> thank I, you I, I thought I thought he was younger I thought he was like 24 coming off like a one or two year college college run and 
I still think he's good, but he's yeah, you're not giving a first round pick for him. No, absolutely not. Um again, I, I am going to argue that there is little functional difference between Powell and Etuan Moore. I think that's well, I think they're different players, but okay. <laughs> Bro, Etuan Moore is the seventh ranked shooting guard in RPM this year. And uh, Norman Powell is the 39th. I'm going to pull recordings from you last year. 39th we'll, ranked. We'll see yeah, Etuan Moore last year was like negative 2.5 or 3.5 <laughs> and had been so yep. his whole career. But this year, Etuan Moore is a plus 2.65. So if, that means. And if there's anything means, we know about RPM, is that you can use a two month sample and predict it. Yes. Both. So that what, what this means is that Etuan Moore is now a top seven shooting guard. Um, and this is conclusive evidence. So anyone who tries <laughs> to tell you otherwise is wrong. Wrong oh, guys man. below him uh, include our very own Drew Holiday, um, Jalen Brown, Bogdan Bogdanovich, D'Angelo Russell, Joe Harris. Yeah, those guys all are much worse than Etoy Moore. I will not hear it. All right. Okay. Okay. Cool. Let's Next. do one more. Let's do one more question and wrap this. <laughs> one more question. Yeah. I will do one. One. One basketball question and and one um, silly question to wrap cool. it up. Done. Uh, this is a league-wide question. What player outside of our newest draft picks would surprise you if they are moved uh, this offseason? Actually, that's not a league-wide question. Oh, yep, the next part is, what one player in the league... God damn it, that's not a league-wide question. You know what? I'm changing this question. Screw this question. Um, I'm changing <laughs> this question to what I thought it was saying and that what I thought the, what the question was asking is what one player uh, in the league do you think is going to end up moving let's just say at this trade deadline or this coming off season that is going to surprise you no superstars like don't pick a superstar right Mm. okay so what one non-superstar level player gets traded who is it that's what you're saying Um, that would surprise you surprise me i mean the easy the easy answer is drew holiday but that would that at this point that, that would, would surprise still surprise you? me. Yeah, um, I would not be surprised. Really, I I, I don't know. I, I think at this you point, would, given would, the run, if you saw like um like a Shams notification and Drew Holiday has been traded, like would your face be the Pikachu face? <laughs> it would be pretty close to that at this point. Um, if the team was just continuing to bottom to to spiral towards like a top five draft pick, then I would not be a surprise. But this team is. I think this team is trying to set themselves up for a playoff run or at least a way to end the season on a high note. And I don't think it's in the, the plans to trade Drew. And so that would be pretty surprising to me, but even I'm trying to summer, figure out even like, in the summer. Oh, I thought it was like by the deadline. No, I said in the, at the deadline or the summer. So like, Oh, okay. No, it would, it would surprise me a lot over the summer. So that's not a good answer anymore. Um, hmm. Uh, I'm looking. Do you have one? I have a couple. Um, I would be surprised uh, if, but I think it's possible. I think it's very possible. I would be surprised if this happens. I think Sabonis might be on the move. Uh, not my, okay, that's not a prediction. I That's the guy who I would say moves, and I would be surprised. And uh, But I could, I could totally see happening with, with the Pacers. Which is odd because I think he might actually be their best player. And then the second one was was going to be CJ McCollum, I think. 
again, I don't anticipate the the Blazers doing anything that's meaningful because their off seasons for the last I don't know how many years have just been a mediocre a mediocrity treadmill. Um, but I so I'd be surprised if CJ moves. I could totally see it happening though. Hmm. I just want to. It'd be really funny if uh, if the Lakers moved Danny Green. I mean, he's like their second most tradable asset. Yeah, exactly. So it's like he's critical to their team right now and what he does on both sides of the floor. But also, it's like, and it would so it would surprise me if he's moved for that reason. But I could totally see them. I could totally see the Lakers trading Danny Green for a player who may not necessarily make them better, but he's, he's, but he's more of a name, you know? I hope so. Yeah. One can only hope. One can hope. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Best question. What's the best nut based milk? (laughs) I, I saw this question and it was, I, I don't know. It made me laugh for a lot of reasons, but um, I am, I'm an almond milk guy. And if you're a cashew milk, bro, neither do cashews. Like nuts don't got titties. If, if you're a cashew (laughs) milk milk person, you're probably the feds. Oh my God. Um, I've heard good things. Do oats count as milk? I heard that's like the wave. Uh, I heard oat milk is the wave. It's a bit scratchy though. I've heard of this phenomenon. I have not had it before. I so think I if you comment. drink alternative milk and you're not lactose intolerant, <laughs> you are the feds. So like that you, you think you think cashew no, I'm gonna expand that to like alternative milk. Um because first of all, I, again, apologies if your body cannot process lactose. I, I mean you no offense. But for those <laughs> of you who can, milk is amazing, man. Come on, like I, I cannot have any like type of dessert or baked good without milk. I think milk, I go through uh, at least a gallon a week, at least, if not more. I consume That's, a lot of milk. I, I drank it literally daily growing up and all through, probably through most of college too. I use, but now like the only time I drink anything like that is for like a protein shake after I go to the gym and that's like, I use almond milk and then protein powder and that's it. I don't, I don't even use it for the flavor or for, for why? I, I don't know. I think that, I think the original reason I switched was a health reason, but I don't know if there's actually, if that's legitimate or not, that's maybe, maybe it's one of those, you shouldn't believe everything you read situations, but that's, that's why I did it. Okay. You do you Mason. I'm gonna keep (laughs) drinking my milk. Go for it. I drink. Okay. Hold on. This is going to be a discussion. Uh, Milk preferences, um, whole milk, 2% or skim. Um, I'm, I've usually been like a, so I'm a, I'm typically 2% guy. My, my parents used to do this hilarious thing where they would mix 2% and skim to create 1% milk. I think they sell that now, but I don't think they used to. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, I can't, I can't tell you. Like I don't know, not as in I, mean, I can't and won't tell you the fat and caloric content of it, but you might as well like 
put water in 2%. No, that's not fair because so I per, like I exclusively buy skim milk um for again for for health concerns. I uh, just want to limit my caloric consumption and limit the you know the kind of fats and stuff that you, you get from from milk. Uh but whole milk is the best milk hands down. And so anytime I go from drinking skim milk and like let's say I'm at someone's house or for whatever reason, you know, like my parents occasionally will, will have whole milk uh, at their place. And like, I like make coffee with whole milk or like if I eat cereal with whole milk or literally do anything with it, it is, I can't even like begin to describe the difference after like going from years of drinking skim milk and then like trying like whole, whole milk. It's just world opening. And uh, that is experience I cherish and it'll be continue it'd be the it's going to be the reason why i'm going to continue drinking skim milk so i can keep treating myself to whole milk even though it makes no sense but uh yeah that is my opinion on milk well you're entitled to it so yeah and i'm entitled to also end this podcast so thanks for listening folks everyone my name is colin kelly and i have one question for you do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021 then be sure to check out rotoviz overtime and all the other rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on blue wire we've got you covered for all things fantasy football subscribe to rotoviz overtime today